0: all the different Nazarene congregations from the state of Maine um, gathered together. It was a a big weekend, so our our very own um, Julie Vias got ordained on Friday night, so that was awesome. And then on Saturday, we elected uh, a new district superintendent. If you guys remember back, I think at the beginning of this series, back on Palm Sunday, um, our current district superintendent, Dr. Steve Dillman, um, came and spoke to you guys and, and shared with you um, how much he loves all of you and all the love and support you showed him and Glenda as they were now preparing for retirement to Virginia. Um, I think he's got officially like 30 days um, left now. Um, but we elected a new district superintendent, Dr. Paul McPherson. And I just want to let you guys know, uh, as your pastor, I am thrilled with uh, with this decision Um, small world like we we did not know about this this was kept um, very much in secret from the by the district advisory board Um, but let me tell you about pastor Paul McPherson he's actually one of my best friends in the entire world Um, his father yeah which is awesome I was I was crying in the back when they announced his name Um, so is Julie Um, I got saved at a little church called Melwood Church of the Nazarene in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Um, Paul's dad, Neil McPherson, was my first pastor and the pastor that I got saved under. And Paul was like a big brother to me um, throughout high school and college and even into pastoral ministry. Um, He was one of the big professors on on the Mid-Atlantic District in Maryland who would teach courses um, to all of us who were coming up as clergy. Um, if you love the Maine district, you should be thrilled um, that this man is our new district superintendent, him and his wife, Teresa, amazing, authentic, um, godly people with great missional strategy, vision. Um, again, it's, God is doing something in Maine. I just want you guys to know that. This is really good, okay? Um, well, good morning, church. Today, we are, we're wrapping up this series for the Easter season called You're Not Far, And the big idea for this series has been this. If you've ever felt far from God, the good news for you is that that's not uncommon. Many people feel that way. And the even better news is that God is closer than you think. And when we began the series on Palm Sunday, I told you guys that I had a really, really kind of specific, narrow kind of agenda for this series. And that agenda, that big dream, if you will, was that I said I would really love it if during this series all of you who have kind of been considering this idea of Christianity, that you would choose to take that next step. That my hope and my prayer over these last several weeks has, have been that if you've been coming here for a little while, maybe your kids really enjoy, you know, being a part of Lighthouse Kids on Sunday morning, or your students, your middle and high school students love coming to our student ministry Fuse on Sunday night, or, or maybe uh, you just, you know, someone invited you and you just came here and you felt a connection, and so you've just kind of been coming maybe you've just kind of been coming throughout the pandemic and you're just kind of hiding in the back or, or watching online, whatever it might be, and you're curious about God and Jesus and this Christianity thing, but you're still kind of searching and you still have questions and you're still kind of on the fence, my hope and prayer is that you would decide to get off the fence and fully embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior and this church community as your church home. Now, if you're here today... Or if you're watching online, wherever you might be, you know, around the world, um, I I just want to let you know this. If it's your first time in church or first time back in a while and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I don't even know if I believe in God, let me say first off, we are so, so glad that you are joining us today. And my hope is that you, if that's you would keep an open mind. Because in this series, one of the things that we've been talking about, we've been unpacking our core values as a church and what we believe it's all about being a follower of Jesus. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And we've also kind of been asking the question, if you've ever had this question, that why in the world would anyone make a decision to become a follower of Jesus? And, And so my hope and prayer is at the very least to try to explain to you why a rational person would make a decision like that. And if you're not a Christian, I get that there's probably some reasons behind that. And there's probably some legitimate reasons. You might say, well, I, I heard that God is a good God and a loving God, but look at the world around us right now. We got war and sickness and all this stuff. I, I don't see that. There's too much suffering for me to believe in a good, loving God. Maybe that's your obstacle. That's a legitimate reason. I get it. Maybe your obstacle is, hey, I, I grew up in church. I've, let me tell you, I've been to some churches, and I have seen too many crazy Christians, and I, I say to myself, why would I ever want to become one of those? Another valid reason, I don't blame you. In fact, every person in this room probably has met a crazy church person, so we all get you. Maybe you're like me, and you grew up in a different faith tradition altogether. Again, my parents immigrated to the United States from India, and so I grew up in a Hindu family, not a Christian family. And maybe Christianity's appealing to you, and you, 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 know, you, you wanna believe, but your family doesn't believe. And, and so that's hard, that's a real, that's a valid obstacle. But here's why I've been so excited about this series. Because for over 2,000 years, countless people, literally billions of people have made the decision to become a follower of Jesus. And rarely, if ever, did somebody come to Christ, to somebody embrace Christianity, only after they worked through their entire checklist of questions and obstacles. Rarely does just more knowledge lead students or adults to take a next step. Rarely does it do that. You know, they—they. They, it's often what happens is they hear something or, or they experience something. And it just breaks their heart or it touches their heart in such a powerful way and it leads them to response. And in those moments, their questions, they might still have questions, but those just questions just seem smaller and smaller and smaller in light of that experience that they've had. And so in this series, we've been unpacking this idea, and again, we've also been focusing in on our mission as a church and our core values, what we think it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if you've missed any of the previous five weeks of this series, I encourage you to go back and watch them, but I'm going to give you a one-minute, really quick recap. See, here at our church, this is what we believe. We believe that we want to be a relational community that helps light the way for people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. In every area of our church, from children's ministry to student ministry to our small group environments, in all of those places, this is the mission of our church. Our mission is to create experiences, to create environments and experiences that light the way to a growing relationship with Jesus. And throughout Scripture, we discover this is, in fact, a critical, critical mission of the church. In fact, this is kind of our our key verse as a church, Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, which says this, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Okay? Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And after we talked about our mission, then we unpacked our first core value as a church, which is this, that loved people love people. That loved people love people. See, God loves you and God loves people. In fact, the greatest commandment from Jesus is to love God and to love others. Every person you're ever eyeball to eyeball with matters to God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, They should matter to you too. Loved people, loved people. And then we examine another core value, which is that according to the scriptures, growing people, grow with people. Growing people, grow with people. You see, scripture clearly tells us we can't do life alone. And you can try to get around this. You can avoid going to church. You can avoid Christian community. You can try to be a solo Christian, but it's not biblical. And over time, it will go badly for you. We need community to help us grow our faith. And getting connected into a small group is a great way to achieve that. And then last week, my wife Julie spoke to you guys on Mother's Day, and she unpacked another one of our core values, which is that according to the Scriptures, save people, serve people. Save people, serve people. That genuine followers of Jesus are naturally drawn by God to begin using their unique giftings and talents and abilities to serve other people and to serve their church community. Now, today, as we land this series, we're going to talk about our last critical core value. But before we dive in, I want to ask you guys a question this morning. How many of you would consider yourself to be a sectional eater? And I'll explain that. What I mean by that is a couple of weeks ago for Easter lunch, you did not want the various food items on your plate to touch one another, okay? Because if your cheesy potatoes touch your baked beans, your life was messed up and you weren't able to sleep at night. Raise your hand if that's you. You don't like, hold them up high, hold them up high. Welcome our OCD friends, okay? Welcome to church. So good to see you guys, brothers and sisters. Now, how many of you are more like me and you're like, just slap it all down there because it's getting in my belly anyway, right? Raise My people, Praise God. All right? Awesome. Now, did you know that Christianity can also be approached in these two ways? A lot of people approach Christianity like a sectional eater. There are some of us here today, and Jesus, he's a part of your life. I mean, he's there, divided amongst the other things in life, but he's not your whole life. He's not everything. He, he's in there, but he's not you're not sold out. You're not all in. He's not everything in your life. So my question to you today is this. When it comes to your walk with Jesus, are you sectional or are you sold out? Are you all in? See, one of the most confusing things that I've experienced about church since I became a, a Christian as a freshman in high school like 30 years ago is this. How is it that some people can attend church for five years? 10, 20 plus years, and never change. And never change. Like they're the same mean, greedy, selfish person they were 20 years before they even started attending church. There's a big difference between someone who attends church and someone who's following Jesus. Why? Because according to the scriptures, changed people change. Change, people change. And one of the things I've discovered about Jesus from personal experience and from reading the Bible is this, that if you're not changing, you're probably not walking with Jesus. You're probably not. Because it's impossible for us to walk in a love relationship with Jesus and stay the same. See, church, holiness isn't about checking off a list of rules. It's about loving and trusting God with everything with your whole heart. And if we can keep Jesus in just a section of our lives, then you know what? It doesn't matter who we date. If we're married, it doesn't matter who we flirt with. It doesn't matter how we spend our money. It doesn't matter what our extracurricular activities are because Jesus is just a part of our lives. And so we can keep him isolated for a few hours each Sunday or maybe one or two Sundays a month. But let me tell you something. Sectional Christians never make a difference in this world for God. They never do. And they never experience the greater plans that God has for them. On the other hand, there are some people who are all in. They're all in. And for them, Jesus isn't just a part of their life. He's the whole plate. He's everything. And and so my hope today as we end this series is that all of you who may currently be living a sectional life, and if you looked in the mirror and you honestly examined yourself, you'd say, Yeah, I might be living a sectional life. My hope and prayer is that you would decide today to make a next step and move to living a sold-out life for God and going all in. Because again, sectional Christians never experience the greater things, the greater story that God has for them. But followers of Jesus who go all in always do. They always do. Now, if you have your Bibles with you or your Bible app on your phone, go ahead and turn to Genesis 28. Genesis 28, we're gonna start in in John 1 today, but we're gonna land eventually in Genesis 28, is gonna kinda be our main passage. But let me start off by saying that I believe that God wants greater things for your life. Do you believe that? Many people struggle with that, many people don't believe that. But when we believe a lie instead of the truth, we can wind up getting into trouble. We can even wind up, you know, getting hurt. When we buy into a lie, it can lead to damage, and it can lead to pain. And one of the biggest lies that some people fall into is that if I really want to have a great life that's a fun, amazing adventure, then I shouldn't have anything to do with Jesus. And that's a total lie from the pit of hell. Listen, I've been in pastoral ministry now for over two decades, and some of the biggest mistakes that I've seen people make happened when they were not all in with Jesus and not plugged into his church. Just think for a minute. Think about some of the biggest mistakes that you've made in your entire life. Can you honestly say that during those times you were walking close with Jesus and you were actively a part of his church? Probably not. So I want to briefly unpack this today by revisiting this story that we began this series with back on Palm Sunday, and that's the story of Philip and his buddy Nathaniel. We talked about that in week one. And and to refresh your memory, if, if you weren't here, in this true story from the Bible, there are two friends named Philip and Nathaniel, and Philip encounters Jesus, and it rocks his world, like he is radically changed by it. And the first thing he goes and does is what? Tell somebody. He goes and finds his best buddy. He finds his buddy, Nathaniel, and he tells him about Jesus. Why? Because found people find people, another one of our core values. Because found people find people. And Nathaniel gets his world rocked when he is introduced to Jesus. And when he finally meets Jesus, I mean, boom, he has a supernatural experience. And after Nathaniel's life is changed... This is kind of where we ended the story. Here's what Jesus says to him after where we left off in week one. Jesus said, you believe, you now believe in me, because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Nathaniel first believes in Jesus because Jesus went supernatural on him. If you remember the story, at first, Philip says, hey, i got to tell you about Jesus. He's this guy from Nazareth that we think he's the son of God. And and Nathaniel's response is, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And Philip says, come and see. Just meet him. And so he goes and he meets Jesus, and Jesus says, ah, I know you. I saw you sitting under the fig tree earlier today. And Nathaniel knew that earlier in the day, when he was sitting under the fig tree, nobody was there. Nobody was around. And so that was a supernatural thing that Jesus did, and it completely floored him. But Jesus was like, if you think that's cool, Nathaniel, you have no idea what I have in store for you. But see, the problem with Christianity is that many of us believe that being a Christian is about praying a prayer so we don't go to hell. And once we do that, if we're truly going to follow Jesus, we have to be miserable and boring for the rest of our lives that's what it means to be a Christian. We can't have fun. We can't listen to any non-Christian music. We can't laugh. We can't dance. You know, we have to, you know, dress up in, in suits and fancy dresses all the time and say weird phrases like, hallelujah, brother, when we run into people. And Jesus is like, forget that. He's, he's like, no, the amazing experience of salvation, that's just the beginning That's just the beginning of an incredible adventure. Greater things are still to come is Jesus' response. Jesus is like, following me isn't about following a bunch of rules and having a boring, miserable life without any fun. It's about a lifelong adventure with God, being in a love relationship with the God of the universe, the creator of everything. You have no idea what you're going to experience. Jesus wants greater things for you than you could ever imagine. I believe that with all my heart. And then he says this in verse 51. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. For years, I just glanced over that part of Scripture. I was like, cool, angels of God ascending, descending. That's awesome. And I just read on to John 2 where Jesus turns water into wine and made all the Nazarenes and Baptists mad and the Presbyterians and Catholics happy. Okay? But verse 51 is huge, so I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to gloss over it. In Jesus' day, we have to understand culturally, in his day, good Jewish children learned, thoroughly learned the first five books of what's currently in our Bible, the Pentateuch, okay? That's what they learned. They learned Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, In fact, in many cases, if they grew up in good good Jewish homes, they memorized the first five books of our Bible. And when anyone would reference a passage from one of these books, it would instantly trigger in their mind. And this is exactly what Jesus does in verse 51. When Jesus says this, when he talks about this ladder to heaven and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, it triggers an account in their mind from anyone who is listening, of Genesis 28, which many Bible scholars call the story of Jacob's ladder. How many of you have heard the story of Jacob's ladder? Okay, a few of you. Many of you haven't. We're going to talk about that today. So Jesus, in John chapter 1, references this Old Testament story. And in this story, in Genesis 28, we meet this really interesting character in the Bible named Jacob. And if you're here today and your name is Jacob... Um, I'm sure your parents didn't name you that for this reason. But back in biblical times, the name Jacob meant grab the heel because he was the second of twins. He had an older brother named Esau, and he grabbed his brother's heel on the way out. And, And that was the translation of the name Jacob. And there was a second translation to the name Jacob, and that was deceiver, deceiver, kind of a weird thing to name your kid. And so in Genesis 28, we find that Jacob the deceiver is living a jacked up sinful life. I mean, he's the guy when the whole family gets together, nobody wants to hang out with him. He is the black sheep of the family. Every family has one, okay? You know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's probably you. You're the one, okay? You're the jacked up one. So Jacob is just causing all kinds of problems in his family. He tricks his older brother, gets his older brother mad at him. He tricks his dad, steals from his dad. His dad gets mad at him. In fact, it gets so bad that Jacob's mom comes up to him, and Jacob was a mama's boy. But his mom comes up to him and says, son, I think you need to run away from home. Now, if your mama tells you to run away from home, can we agree today you might be jacked up? Yes? Okay. So that's his mom says, son, you need to get out of here. Your dad and your brother want to kill you. I think you need to leave. And, and I, think, I think it's important to realize that Jacob runs. I mean, he is running from his family. He is running from God. And I think this is important because there are people here today or watching online today who might be on the run right now. You might be on the run. Did you know you can attend church or watch a church service and still be running from God? People do it all the time. So Jacob was running from God, and he winds up at a place where he encounters God. Isn't that fascinating? Kind of what uh, Pastor Jim was saying today. You're here on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, okay? And so he winds up having an encounter with God. But this was just the beginning for Jacob, which would wind up becoming an incredible adventure with God, and it ties in again to this last big core value that we have as a church, because again, having an encounter with God isn't the end, it's just the beginning. Why? Because change people what? They change. They don't stay the same. And from this story, we can learn three important ways that change people change. So if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Point number one is this. Number one, we can learn that change people change because of God's word. God's word. Here's what it says in Genesis 28, picking up in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head, and he lay down to sleep. The story continues in verse 12. Then he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. With its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. The same vision described by Jesus later in John. So Jacob shows up to this place. It's later called Bethel, which means the house of God. And he shows up at the house of God, and it's getting late, and the sun is setting, and what's the first thing he does, church? He goes to sleep, right? See, people have been sleeping in church for years. Isn't that amazing? But then he hears the voice of God. As he falls asleep, he hears the voice of God. So what can we learn from this? First off, we can learn this. Regular church attendance is important. Regular church attendance is important. As a follower of Jesus, Scripture says, That you are a part, as Julie talked about last week, that you are a part of the body of Christ. Yet the average churchgoer, the person who considers themselves a follower of Jesus and a churchgoer, the average churchgoer attends church, guess how often? Once a month. Once a month. Can you imagine wanting to get in shape and get healthy and you sign up for a gym membership and you start going once a month? What kind of a difference is that going to make on your life? The other 29 days, you go to Dairy Queen. But once a month, you show up at the gym, right? Not going to work for you. The notion that you can follow Jesus on a consistent basis without being involved in a church community goes against 2,000 years of church history and hundreds. Let me say that again. Hundreds of verses of scripture in the Bible. We are called to regularly attend church and get connected with other believers. Hebrews ten twenty five in fact, says this. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And here's the deal. This church is grounded in the word of God. It's what we focus on. It's what we teach on to grow our lives and to grow our faith. We just believe that church doesn't have to be boring, and we believe that God's word is vibrant and powerful and exciting, and that it can be practically applied into our lives even today in 2022 to change us from the inside out. That's what we believe. This church stands on the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Notice the passage didn't say the Bible is boring and dull. You and I are called to regularly attend church and connect in church community and get into God's word. And this ties in with our core value that we talked about a few weeks ago, that growing people grow with people. Growing people grow with people. For some of you, your next step is to start coming to church more regularly, to decide to embrace a church and become a part of a church and get connected into Christian community. And those of you watching online, you guys can do that as well. You can come into this building. You can join small groups that are even available through Zoom. You can have community in your life, even if you're dealing with health issues or things like that. We love you. We want you to connect. Growing people, grow with people. For some of you, your next step is getting more connected. Number one, God's word. Number two, if you're taking notes, is this, growing in God. Growing in God. Jacob's encounter with God continues, and God goes on to say this in verse 13 and 14 of Genesis 28. He says, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will, will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. An incredible promise in Genesis 28, 13 and 14 from God to Jacob. We are changed as people through the blessing of God. And at this point in Jacob's story, let me, let me ask you a question. Has he done anything right at this point in his story? No, the answer is no. He's a lying, deceiving thief who ran away from home. And God is talking to him about blessings and descendants. Jacob doesn't even have a wife. He's a single dude. But he has one encounter with God and his life has changed because God is always looking to do greater things in our life. And God finishes by saying, all people on earth will be blessed through you. And guess what? God kept his promise to Jacob. Because from his lineage will come the 12 tribes of Israel. And some guys you may have heard of. Someone named Moses. Someone named King David. And eventually the savior of the world, Jesus. And through Jesus, God offers the blessing of his love Mercy and grace to each and every one of us in the entire world. God is all about growth and change. And I believe in in this encounter with Nathaniel, Jesus wanted to teach all of us when he gave that illustration to Nathaniel about what Jacob experienced. He wanted to give this illustration to all of us that just like Jacob, God wants to bless our lives in more ways than we could ever imagine. And God is calling each and every one of us. To grow in our relationship with him. See, sectional Christians don't grow. They don't change. They have excuses. They won't take a next step. But followers of Jesus who are all in, they always do. They're always growing. They're always looking for their next step. They're always looking to change and become better. They're always looking. Why? Because changed people change. Because changed people change. I feel so blessed to be a part of this church. I love my church. Um, You you guys, I I gotta say, this church community, you love on me and my family so, so well. Um, My birthday was a a few weeks ago, back in April, and um, every October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and without fail, my mailbox in the office will get full of cards, people put them on my desk, uh, cards of appreciation. Oftentimes there's gifts in there like gift cards to restaurants and things like that. And so one Monday I was, I was you know, had stacked up some stuff from back in October and I decided I was going to use some of those gift cards and I took our entire staff um, out on Monday instead of staff meeting. I took them to Red Robin. And when the server asked me what I wanted to drink, I didn't just order a water like I typically do when I go out to a restaurant. I ordered a strawberry lemonade and a chocolate milkshake. (laughs) Do you know why? Because I had gift cards. Because I had gift cards, right? I I wasn't holding back. When 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 the server came and said, would you like an appetizer? I was like, yes please. And I ordered some buffalo chicken tenders first. Why? Because I had a gift card, that's right. When it was time for the entree, guess what I ordered? The most expensive burger on the menu. The most expensive one. Something I would have never ordered. I would have tried to save money as much as possible. But I ordered it. Do you know why? I had a gift card. And then at the end of the dinner, at the end of the dinner, when they said, hey, would you like dessert? Would you care for dessert? I was stuffed. But I still ordered, I still ordered the mountain high mud pie. Do you know why, church? gift Gift card. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I had gift cards. See, the problem with many Christians is that too often we're like, oh, I got saved. I'm all done. I'm full. I'm good to go. And and God's like, what? God's like, are you kidding me? Like, "That that was the appetizer. Salvation was the appetizer. There is so much more that I have in store for you. I don't know, God, kind of full. I think I got a food baby here. I don't know if I can handle any more. How much is it gonna cost, God? What am I gonna to have to sacrifice? And God's like, nothing. I've given you a gift card. It's my son Jesus. I've paid for all your sins. You can go all in with me. You can grow, you can change, you can step into the greater life and greater future and greater plans I have for you. Your life can become such a light that it leaves a legacy to your children, to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren. For the rest of your life, it's going to be an adventure into eternity with me. So my question for you today is this. Here's the big question. Do you really want to take another step in your walk with Jesus? Do you really want to take another step in your walk with Jesus? Do you really want to grow in your relationship with him? And again, it's not about following a list of rules and having a boring life. It's about living out a love relationship With the king of the universe, it's about going all in and being open to the adventure that he has in store for you. And if you do that, you will be changed from the inside out. Why? Because changed people change. And sometimes being obedient to God and going all in can be scary. It can. getting up here and getting baptized can be scary. But let me tell you something. God will honor that. He will honor that. Three years ago, God called my wife Julie and I to take a step of faith and leave a comfortable situation at a church we planted outside of Baltimore that I'd been pastoring at for 10 years to move our entire family up to Maine and become your pastor. I had spent my entire life, 40 years of my life in Maryland. We left everything that we had known and the comfort of that to be obedient to God. And guess what? we are so thankful we did. We are so thankful that we did because God grew us and changed us and blessed us in incredible ways. But moving away isn't the only way that you can be open to change. There's so many ways that you can change and take a next step with God. For some of us, it's taking a very first step and it's receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's moving our faith off of ourselves and what we've done and moving it on to Jesus and what he's done for us. For others of us, the next step is going public with our faith through baptism. For some of us, it's getting plugged in and volunteering because we understand what? That saved people serve people. For for others, it might be taking a next step and joining a small group to have community in our lives and accountability in our lives and encouragement. So number one, God's word, number two, Growing with God. Last one, number three, committing to God. Committing to God. Genesis 28, picking up in verse 16, it says this, when when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob became aware he was in the presence of God and he acknowledged that the house of God was the way, the gate to enter heaven. Just more evidence that the primary role of the church is to light the way to growing relationships with Jesus. But what if we, like Jacob, could open our eyes to the fact that we're in the presence of God each and every day and we go all in with him? See, sectional Christians are not aware of the presence of God in their daily lives. If Jesus is kept in just a section of your life, you can visit whatever site you want to on the internet. Who cares? You can date whoever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can handle your money however you want because Jesus is just a part of your life, but he's not all of your life. But when you become aware of his presence, not just here at church on a Sunday, but in your daily life, it changes everything. And this concept of truly living to love God and making Him first in your life is such an important next step in your journey of grace. It's getting to the place where you're able to say, I know you love me, God, and I'm ready to trust you. I'm ready to fully trust you with everything, with my whole life and with my future. So I'm choosing to make you my first love. Thy will be done in my life, God. Thy will be done. Do you know what that's called? It's called surrender. It's called going all in. And there's a special word in church for this incredible transformative step in our walk with God. And that word is this. Maybe you've heard of it. Sanctification. Sanctification. The Apostle Paul talks about it in Galatians 2.20. The verse that that Jace quoted earlier, his favorite Bible verse, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now this concept of sanctification may seem challenging, may seem like a tricky church word, but for me it's kind of like driving, When we become Christians, when when we get saved, we're we're inviting Jesus into our life. We're inviting Jesus on the journey. We're like, Jesus, come go for a ride with me. And we're driving along, and Jesus is with us, shotgun, and and life is going good. I mean, it's it's an awesome change in life, and it's an awesome start to our adventure. And we begin to ask him for directions sometimes. And he guides, and he leads us, but from the pastor's seat, because we're still sitting in the driver's seat. He's just a part of our life. But eventually we grow to love and trust him more and more, and we come to the point where we realize we don't want to be in the driver's seat of our life anymore. We don't need to be the one holding tight and white-knuckling the steering wheel through life. Because the dreams and the plans that God has for our life are greater and more amazing than any dream or plan that we could have for our own life. Sanctification is getting to the place in your walk with God where you love him and you trust him so much that you give him the driver's seat to say, Jesus, I'm all in. You can have the steering wheel. You can have it all. You see, your love story with God can be the greatest love story in your entire life. He pursues you before you even know him through his pervenient grace that comes before we know him. He leads us to this critical point of salvation where we begin to choose to enter into a relationship with him. And then he loves us so much, he blesses us again with the second blessing of sanctification where we can go all in and surrender everything to him. When we're able to give ourselves fully to God, he sanctifies us and he empowers us. He fills us completely with his Holy Spirit to live a life where we don't have to be a prisoner of our sins anymore, but we can actually begin to have victory over sin in our life. Do we still have the ability to sin? Sure. No perfect people. But we begin to lean towards a relationship with God. Our propensity to sin diminishes. We can have victory over it. We don't have to be a prisoner to sin because we're so in love with God. We're living for him, and it's absolutely amazing. When we fully surrender our life to him, when we make him first in everything, he gives us this incredible gift of filling us with himself through the power of his Holy Spirit. And we release the steering wheel. And God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, becomes the Lord and the driver of our life. And for many of us today, this is really the next big step of faith. And let me tell you guys, this is where the action is. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is where life change and transformation truly takes place. If you feel like your faith is stalled and it's not going anywhere, this is probably the next big step for you. See, it's one thing to believe in Jesus and and to realize what he did for you, dying on the cross, to pay for your sins. It's one thing to make him your savior, to make him your savior. Many people make that incredible step where they believe and receive the forgiveness of God and begin a relationship with Jesus. That's salvation. But it's a whole other thing to be willing to trust him with everything, to make him first in your life, to make him this, to make him Lord, to make him Lord. And when you're able to take this critical next step, let me tell you, your walk or your drive with God will go to places you never, ever, ever, could have imagined, places beyond your wildest dreams. What if our daily prayer became, Jesus, I want to see you today in everything that I do. I want to walk through every day living in a love relationship with you. God, I want to be all in. I want to be all in. Becoming aware of the presence of God leads us to something. It leads us to growth and change. This is what happened to Jacob. Finishing up, last verses we're going to look at today. Genesis 28, starting in verse 18. It says, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head as his pillow, and he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it, and he called the place Bethel. Again, the house of God. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow, saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey that I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I safely return to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, God, I give you a tenth. Jacob said, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm not going to live a sectional life anymore. I'm sold out for you. With my time, with my talents, even my finances, I'm going to tithe. I'm pulling out my checkbook. Everything. I'm all in. I'm committed. I am sold out for you. So, now as we close this service and as we land this series, I just have one final question for you. Will you continue to live a sectional life, or are you ready to go all in with God? Are you ready to go all in with God? Because when we do that, the Christian life becomes an amazing adventure. And God transforms us from the inside out as we become more and more and more like our Savior Jesus. Step by step, day by day, from here into eternity. Changed people change. Can we pray together, church? With heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, I know that this series and even this message today is going to land in so many different places with so many different people in this room and those who are watching right now. So the first question I'm going to ask is this. If if you're here and you would say, you know what, Pastor, something spoke to me today, I know that I have a next step to take because change people change. And I just want to acknowledge that. And it might be scary and it might be hard, but I, I just want to at least at this point acknowledge before God, God, I know, I've got a next step to take. If that's you, at an act of faith, would you just lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Just raise your hand up. Raise him up. Be bold today. He was willing to be bold for you when he stretched his arms out on a cross. You can lift your hand in a room full of people. Be bold today. Who says they have a next step? And and here's here's the question. Yep, yep. About half the room right now. Here's the sad thing. It should be everybody. It should be everybody. Why? Because change, people change. Unless your name is Jesus and people mistake you for him every single day of your life, your hand should be in the air. I'll ask one more time. Who here has a next step to take in their life before God, as a witness, raise your hand? Praise God. Praise God. A lot of people. Guess what? My hand's up too. I'm your pastor. It's up there. Let me ask you another question. For somebody... You've been wrestling with this whole Christianity thing, maybe for weeks now, maybe for months. And maybe today is the day. Maybe today is the day that you would say, you know what? And this Sunday in May, 2022, I need Jesus in my life. I'm ready to move my faith off of myself and what I've done onto my Savior, Jesus. I believe he died on a cross for me. He paid the price for my sins that God has forgiven me. I want to walk in a relationship with him. If that's you today, would you have five seconds of incredible courage and would you lift a hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus in my life. Will you pray for me? Is there anybody here who wants to take that big next step of faith? Praise God. Praise God. I see some courage out there. Praise God. If you're raising your hand at home right now, God sees He's aware, he knows. I'll ask another question today. If you would say, you know what, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've probably been coming to church for a long time. But I've been a sectional Christian. He's a part of my life. I want to go all in, I want to be sanctified. God, you can have it all, and you can help me to know what that's gonna look like day by day, step by step, for the rest of my life. But God, you can have the steering wheel of my life. I'm ready to go all in. I'm done playing games. Life is too short. I'm all in. If that's you this morning, would you be bold and raise a hand right now? Praise God. Praise God. People everywhere. So our worship team is gonna uh, sing a closing song right now. And Here's what I wanna do. Um, I I want you to, to respond to that You can kneel in your seat where you're at right now. You can bow your head and pray and say, God, I'm ready to go all in. You can come up to these altars if you have the strength to come up and say, God, I'm nailing this down today. This is like Jacob put a stone as a pillar. I am going to kneel before you today and say, God, I am all in with you. I'm sold out for you. I love you. You can have control. You can have it all. And I'm going to let us respond. To the rest of us, we can stand. And let's sing together as God continues to speak to us. We love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name.
1: Sing this with us. You give light. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart.
2: blessing three people were baptized today so uh, your job is to find them as you leave and shake their hands or give them a hug and uh, just show your your love and support to them Uh, but let's pray Lord God just thank you so much for who you are thank you for this uh, awesome time of, of worship this morning we just pray that your spirit would fill our hearts and our lives each and every day Lord, I pray a blessing over each individual and each family. Lord, may our, our lives and our homes honor and glorify you each and every day. We pray these things in your name. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.